Welcome to another episode of Artistry, where art meets industry. We are your hosts, Rochelle Etienne Robinson and Stan Substantial Robinson. Peace. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Artistry. I am your host, Rochelle Etienne Robinson, accompanied by the Mr., the man, Substantial. Today, we are so excited because we have a very special guest with us today. She is a dear friend, uh, accomplished artist, overall creative, um, a fellow Pratt grad. Please welcome our dear friend, Kali Abdullah. Thanks, thanks, thanks. <laughs> Kali, welcome to the show, honey. Thank you. I'm honored that you've invited me to this. Oh, of, course, of course, of course. We are so excited to talk with you and discuss with your creative journey. It's an honor for us because we have been witness, you know, as a fellow Pratt alum, we remember mm -hmm. when you guys came in, uh, your whole class at yeah. Honestly were just phenomenal. And mm -hmm. so we're just so happy to be able to have you on the show with us today. Yeah, thanks. I'm happy to be here. Hey. So we're going to go ahead and get started. So, sure. um, as I, as we mentioned to, and we asked of this of all of our guests is their creative journey. Um, mm -hmm. and so the, one of the things I want to ask you is, um, if you can reflect back on coming up, when would you say was the first time you were first exposed to the arts? Um, well, my parents have always been like, not professionally educators, but have been in, uh, like have been open and creative, have never like been closed-minded on the arts. Um, our house had a bunch of artwork on it. It's so funny because our house had like a lot of Barnett C. Honeywood's art in it. And a lot of people weren't introduced to that artwork until the Cosby show. Yep. But I'd be looking at it and I was like, oh, we have that. I mean, it was the original, <laughs> but you know. Right, so, right. Like, um, and it's weird because neither one of my parents are artists, but my brother and myself are like visual artists. Mm -hmm. um, and they've always fostered that. They've, they've always been um, supportive of that. And then, Photography specifically, which is what I eventually got into, I got from my grandfather. Um, I used to spend the summers with my grandfather in North, my grandparents in North Carolina. And my mom always liked to tell the story. So my grandfather is a budding photographer, not professional, but like he used to always take pictures of the family. And like, if you go to his house now, it's just a bookshelf full of photo albums, right? Wow. And I, as a child, would always see things, would always see things in, because, you know, I'm a city girl from D.C. proper, and, you know, I'm in the country, and I'm like, oh, my God, look at that bug, look at that bird, look at this whatever, and <laughs> right. so I go get my grandfather to go take, to get it, to, mm -hmm. to come and take a picture of it, which will be a funny story when we move forward to, to what my career is, right? Right. Yeah, I would always go get him and be like, come take a picture of this and shoot it this way and do this. And wow. my grandfather eventually got frustrated and just bought me a camera. <laughs> like, I got time to be running out in the yard every five minutes. Um, so, so that's how I got into photography um, on a, on, on like a personal scale. And then I also, drew and and painted but that my I think photography was always my my thing thing mm -hmm. um and I and I honestly to be quite I, I wasn't quite sure that was the career I was going into mm -hmm. and when I in high school I went to an academic school at um, Banneker and art was not like a thing I don't know how most people's schools are but it's like arts is like a hobby it's not a career so it wasn't something that was truly supported. Like most of the people who graduated from my school were like going into medicine or right, lawyers right. or doctors or whatever like that. And they 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 promoted that that's what you should go into. Mm -hmm. And it really wasn't until my senior year I was going to be a biomedical engineer. And then I was like, let me just see what happens if I apply to this one. And I had a counselor, Miss Britton, who was like. You really should go to Corcoran and just check out the portfolio day. You yeah. know? And I was like, 
but I don't have any work. I don't have, like, I didn't have anything. I just put, like, pictures I had taken of my family and around D.C. and put them in a book. And I went, and um, I didn't know art school, full disclosure. I was not, I didn't know anything about it. I went into court, I went to the court grant, it was portfolio day, and I literally just stood in the longest line. That's how I got, <laughs> that's how I felt. I was like, oh, okay, Pratt, that's wow. the longest line. I went and stood in that line, and wow. they was, and I was, and that's, and I had no idea that Pratt was like one of the top art schools. Yeah. And, you know, I also think that we came in at a time where they were trying to diversify, but, um, <laughs> I, I welcome it. I accept it. And um, that's how I got fully into it. But the point of my story is I wasn't sure I was going to get into the arts literally until I got accepted because I was oh, applying wow. to everything. And when I was in elementary school, I was like, well, whatever I do, I'm going to do it in New York. That was the story. Like, I didn't know what I was going to be, but I was like, I will eventually land in New York and I'll have like a view of the city and like these are my big dreams but i didn't know what my career was going to be so that's how i got into it that's my origin story wow <laughs> that's an incredible story because yeah. when i think of um you know as you said representing dc mm -hmm. did you know of uh duke ellington at the time my brother went to duke ellington gotcha. so, but i'm the firstborn and it wasn't something that it wasn't so. I never like showed interest in going to an art school. Like my my parents would put me in like art programs. Like in the summertime, mm -hmm. we would do like theater stuff and just to figure, you know, just trying to figure out where we would stick. Yeah. Um. But I think I was always so like academic first, not by the force of my parents, but just because I thought that was what the the, the way we were supposed to go. And right. I was always that friend or that girl who was like, Kali is so talented and creative and mm -hmm. she can make this and she can do that. And my parents supported everything. Like I was like, I want to sew something. My mom put me in like a sewing class in elementary school and I ended up sewing my my graduation dress in elementary wow. school with help. But, you know, that Just, was like... Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. It was like one of those like you remember Blossom? It was like what you know those dresses that were really popular in the eighties that it was like off the shoulder. <laughs> yeah. Flower right there with the matching hat. <laughs> I was like, like that. But no, like it um it's just a weird thing. It was like I we always knew I was creative. We always knew and apparently my like my great aunt on my mom's side and my great grandmother who I never met had some form of creative talent. Mm -hmm. My great aunt, actually, she's, she can draw and paint. Um, but it wasn't something that was like passed down directly. It was just, you know, something we kind of figured out we could do. Right. 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 Wow. I could color in the lines as a child and it was like, oh, let's see what that does. <laughs> That's awesome. Mm -hmm. So we mentioned Pratt um, and, and obviously how you got in. What was your experience like that first day in orientation? Like, did you feel overwhelmed? Did you feel you were in over your head? Okay, so my class, full disclosure, we're gonna, first of all, I, like I said, I'm from DC proper. I was happy to be in Brooklyn. I was happy to be in New York, mm -hmm. but that didn't reflect what Pratt looked like. And <laughs> I grew up in D.C. in the 80s yep. and 90s. And so before gentrification, it was called Chocolate City. Like, I was mm -hmm. always around people of color. Um, my high school was all black. I think there was, like, maybe one white guy in my graduating class. Like, it, wow. so it was more of a culture shock on that level mm -hmm. because I, I, I have to say, I mean, again, my parents were our educators and we know all the things, but I never had to live in an environment where I was around them on a on a regular basis. Them meaning other people outside of like black. Yeah. Um, right. So that was the biggest shock for me. But the plus to that was my class. Again, like I said before, I think was the diversity class, mm -hmm. and it was what you know they would always say this was the largest class of people of color. So. Yeah. Um, 
that kind of made me a little bit more uncomfortable. And then over over time, I kind of was able to like, you know, yeah. navigate a little bit better. So it was more of a shock of that. Being in New York, being in Brooklyn, whatever, that was nothing because again, I'm from a city. So, you know, like that wasn't a huge shock for me. Like I think it'd have been more of a shock if I was in North Carolina or something like in the boonies mm-hmm. because that's not the lifestyle I've ever been like, raised on. So, but I don't know. I mean, I think it didn't take long for me once I got like that tribe, you know, which including you guys, you were like a class ahead above us or whatever. And then I feel like the upper class that were really good to us. So, um, because it is something, it's, it's a little, even though I was only three, four hours away from DC, it was the first time you're away from your family. Yeah, and again, right. again, you're with a, a and the, it's not even just Pratt, like New York in general, it's just such a mix of people that I was not expecting. Like, you know, in DC, you got your black people, you got your white people, they're yep. Asian and Ethiopian. That's yep. it. And that's that's and I'm gonna be honest, I was ignorant about it. That was about the scope of what I knew. Then I come to New York and I'm like Brooklyn, and it's just a vast variety of people of yeah. all different cultures. So that was like where I was like, wow, that Spanish, that black dude speaks Spanish really, really well. He must have really paid attention, not <laughs> knowing he was Dominican. <laughs> right. You know, right. so but yeah, I mean. I I I don't remember the question, but the shock that I had was more of a culture shock than a like anything else. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and you bring up a very good point because I think um, that was the case for a lot of people. I mean, Stan and I we've talked about it. You know, where mm-hmm. it's like black was just black is just black. <laughs> And then you come and you find out there's Costa Rican and there's Dominican and Puerto Rican and Colombian. And then all the Caribbeans. And all the Caribbeans and all the Africans. Right. And my best friend, her family is from Ghana. So that was about it. Yeah. Like, I know Africa, but that was like, that was the only person I knew. And they were American. I mean, she was American born. Her mom is like from there. But, you know, and... It is interesting, and I think a lot of people, um, even though, I mean, and I guess today is different because, you know, internet and there's way more information out there, but I, I feel like that was like the biggest shock for me. I was in a bubble, and that was the one reason why I wanted to move to New York. Even mm-hmm. though it's only three, four hours away from where I was from, I feel like I'm able to navigate and be in any room better yeah. because of yeah. that. Because Could you imagine if I had stayed in D.C. and then went to an all-black school and then all-black everything. Not to discredit that. Right. Mm-hmm. At all. Like, right. Right. Let me just clarify that because my mom went to Howard. Mm-hmm. So I was around that all my life. Right. But I just felt like moving here opened my mind and opened me opened me up to way more things culturally. Right. Also, when you, you guys are from the DMV, we had the Smithsonian. Yeah. Let's just be yeah. clear. What's in the Smithsonian is very linear. Right. And New York, I feel like, has a wider range of art from yeah. the major galleries to like those little small yeah. galleries. So I think that's what also helps. Right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it was, um, I would say, like, you know, as someone who was, you know, from an area not too far from you because I was in PG. Um, very similar experience. I also remember like when I finally started kind of venturing out a bit and um, leaving the campus a lot more and going to different communities in Brooklyn, the Bronx, all these different places. And, you know, and people thinking that like uh, assuming that I was from a particular island or or that I spoke Spanish because they thought I was Dominican or something like that. And right. yeah, it was just, you know, like it was a lot to kind of process and adapt to when I first got there. But I, but I, I definitely feel like it made us all better. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. made you. And I made, think that also, I'm sorry to cut you off. Yeah, no worries. That also enhances your your skill set creatively right mm-hmm. because you you if you come in only knowing like one aspect of diaspora and right. then you learn all these other things because that's the same mm-hmm. thing like when i came to new york it was like oh what are you 
bring it to me when right. I right. <laughs> right. 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 But it was like, you know, no, where like where your people from? And yeah. I also there was a bit of an insecurity on that because mm-hmm. the con- the question cat came up quite often. Yes. And I was like, I mean, uh DC, then my mom is from New York, she's from the Bronx, my mm-hmm. dad is from well, he was raised in Charleston, but like you know, when you're a Black American, you don't really unless you sit up and do a whole ancestry tree or whatever, you don't really know that information. Right. And at the time, that wasn't as popular as it is now, yeah. right? For people to claim what they are, and I was just like, I kind of felt a little insecure about it because yeah. everybody knew exactly where their mama and their father and their grandparents and all that stuff from because of the cult, like they were not right. Black American. Right. But I think that also like broadened my uh, perspective, even in the art industry, because you know you start to learn what, like, we know Black African American stuff, but you know, like culturally, like the other islands and the other yeah. mm-hmm. stuff like that. Absolutely. Sure. How would you say like those experiences, both um, you know, growing up in D.C. and then the culture shock of New York and and learning how to navigate that, how would you say that informs your style, um, your style of art that you began to develop? Well, I think I had more to, because again, I went, I didn't say this, but I went to school for photography. That was my major. Um, mm-hmm. And of course we had to take those foundation classes at the beginning, but mm-hmm. <laughs> once we got past that, you know, I think it just, I think it made me hone in more on, because I feel like the other thing about, when you take a photography, when you major in photography, everyone's doing that like New York S style pictures, and you're getting the same typical photos that you normally get when you first move to New York. I can't tell you how many critiques we were in where it was like a gritty street or like, like some person on the corner or something, and it was supposed to be so deep. I tell you one thing. If anything, I learned, and this is probably also going to add to my origin story of how I got to where I am career-wise. I was the, I had the most to say in critique class because mm. I call BS so much. I feel like also when you go to an art school, people just like riff off of things that just yeah. be like, what? That doesn't like you know. We art is subjective. We know that, right? But right. I feel like a lot of times people just like pull stuff out the. You know. Yeah, yeah. And Love I to make it deeper than it is. Right. Thank you. Way yeah. deeper than it is. I was like, it's right. not that serious. And I think I was trying to be that person because I was like, you know, I, you know, my my art span is like kind of limited, and I, you mm-hmm. know, I'm trying to be on the next level. So I'm gonna do this, that, and the third. That that lasted like two seconds, and I was like, yeah. So my my photography and you guys know this is I was more into portraiture. I was more into mm-hmm. I, I didn't take like the general New York landscape or I see a person from twenty miles away and I take a picture of them doing something that probably I have no business like taking. Like you know, people are just taking very very voyeuristic pictures of random people and then trying to give a definition of what it meant. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So I think I was just like, no, for me, and also learning more about people, I think a lot of people say stuff with their face. Or you yeah. see a picture of someone and you want to know more about that person or you you try to figure that person out just from that picture because you can't, you like, if I'm not there, you have to come up with your own solution of what this photo means right. what it's about instead of my BS answer what it means or whatever. Right. So I think that got me to hone in on the style of the type of photographer I wanted to be. Mm. Um, I never remember the questions you asked me. No, <laughs> you answered it. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, just talking about how it informed your style. I mean, you definitely oh, yeah, you know, yeah. diving all so, into it. Yeah, so I mean, I think that I think that the, what was a typical New York photography or New York art, whatever, kind of made me more specific of what I wanted to feature. And then I think the other thing that helped a lot with Pratt, and I don't know if this is something that happens at all art schools, but they encouraged us going to galleries. In fact, for mm-hmm. I mean, we had to do it a lot. Like, we mm-hmm. had to go. Fortunately, Brooklyn 
Museum is down the street. We lived in Brooklyn Museum, right? Right. Um, and and the other great thing about Brooklyn Museum is their first Saturdays, which is what expanded oh, yeah. our horizon culturally because mm-hmm. for people who are not in New York or Brooklyn, it's all Flatbush, and there's nothing but a variety of cultures and mm-hmm. uh, backgrounds. So you you when you have those first Saturdays, it's essentially a party, but <laughs> it's. <laughs> But it's also it's open for people to come and look at the gal- look at the yeah. art and it's almost enticing like come look at the art and then we'll give you a party with a dope DJ. You know? right. right, right, So that was that is like I think New York is such an amazing place. Um, Brooklyn is such an amazing place. But then on top of that, we used to have to go to those little art galleries like mm-hmm. uh, in Chelsea, which to me were always my favorite because they changed a lot and. And it was always something weird and different and cool. And then, of course, she had the bigger, the Met, which we always had to go to, and then the Google mm-hmm. time or whatever. But I hated going all the way uptown. Unless there was an exhibit that I was specific about, I right. was like, that commute. It yeah. was yeah. That was no joke. And then you that walk. Yeah. That walk. Yeah. And you know you had to be on the G train, so it started bad out to begin. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness! It was rough. <laughs> you know, and it's and it's so funny. We're we're actually very um, proud to be a recipient and hold one mm-hmm. of uh, a Kali original, so yes. of a, a portrait that you did of us, and we still have that to this day. Snatch we... it off the wall and hold it up. <laughs> <laughs> Got it framed in the in the the room. But you know, yeah. up, mm-hmm. um, upon graduating from Pratt, you know, um, you have had a stellar career as far as your resume of places that you've had the opportunity to work such as essence people magazine the source magazine what would you say that you gained from those experiences um i think we have to start with how i got to that point though okay because and if you pay attention to the story of everything i told you like i went to school to be a photographer. I thought I was going to be the next quarter part. You know, I was just like, I'm going to shoot everything. And then I think around my senior year, I, I was like, you know, I, I'm bossy. Well, I didn't, I didn't just learn I was bossy. I think we all knew that. But it was like, it, I, I did an internship at Milk Studios. Mm-hmm. And um milk studios for anyone who's not in new york it was was like one of the bigger studios that celebrities or big publications would do their shoots at um and i was doing it and i was there and you know i worked all over because you're an intern they put you everywhere but i was mainly in the equipment room and p i learned the the i learned the levels of what it would take for me to be the next gordon park so you know i would bring stuff to the studio i realized over time the photographer was never in the studio i was like it's like all these assistants running around asking for like sweating bullets asking for certain equipment setting everything up doing the lighting whatever and this just goes to show the level of the photographer the bigger the photographer the less work the less work Mm -hmm. um but and so I'm, I'm peeping that, and I'm, I'm like, and then I, I started noticing their levels of assistance. You got first assistant, second assistant, the key, key assistant, like the one who gets to do, be behind the camera and tell the photographer the lighting or whatever. And so I was just like, what is the photographer doing getting besides getting the credit? And then there was this other person in the room who was telling the photographer what to do. And I was very curious about that because I was just like, okay, in a, in a sh- sh- setup such as this, you know, the photographer is the highest you would think, like, especially mm-hmm. if they're like a big name photographer, like you got all these little minions running around setting everything up and it's a no shade to that, them. Right. Mm-hmm. But, but then, you know, then the photographer is like, so what, what's the lighting? What's the key? What's that? And then all they do is press the button. I mean, it, vision-wise, I'm sure they had a lot to say, and it's all about the eyes. Photographer has the eye, but there's a lot of setup that happens that has nothing to do with them. 
basically I learned that the person that was telling the photographer what to do was the photo editor or the art director or whatever. And I was more intrigued by that. So after after I after that, I left Milk Studios. I was like, I don't want to do that no more. And that's when I went to the source and did an internship there. Mm-hmm. And I worked in the because it's publishing. I was like, well, I, you know, I worked in the photo department and I learned that maybe it's the art director or the editor-in-chief or whatever who says, okay, we're shooting so-and-so. Somebody comes up with the concept of it's not the photo editor. And then the photo editor is the one who puts everything together. And right. I was like, I'm I'm a planner. I'm a producer. I am the one who always puts the parties together, gets the people together. You guys know when I was at Pratt, I was in charge of the Black Student Union. So, you know, I was, I'm the one who does the gathering, yep. whatever. And I'm also the one who told my grandfather, went and got my grandfather out the house and was like, hey, come take a picture of this and take it this way and do that. And so, like, all of those things started to gel together my senior year. Mm-hmm. And I was like, maybe I'm not the photographer but it helps that I have a photography background because mm-hmm. there's nothing worse than someone who has no idea what it takes to do what you need to do to get the picture telling you what to do. Right. So, you know, at least I have that skill set. I know I can I can drop all the photography lingo, like, you know, you know, as far as how the picture should be taken or changing the lighting or the focus or whatever. But I also have the vision direct, like um, of what the photo should look like and how it can how it can happen because somebody can be quick to tell you well I can't do that but if you have a photography background or you have I mean a creative background you can be like well this is how you could do it let's right. try that you know maybe right. um so that's kind of how I got into that and then it just kind of evolved from there so my internship senior year was at the source magazine which was quite interesting um I was literally, literally like the girl in the corner. Like I didn't know, know anything. And it's so funny. They did give me like one photo job where I had to go like out in the boonies and shoot some like new rapper or whatever. Don't ask me what his name is because I don't remember. <laughs> but he was like one of those new people that was being written about, and I hated it. I was like, I'm not into this. I don't, I don't like all the work it takes. You know, then I'd rather be the person telling me to go do that, you know. So mm-hmm. that's how I got into it. And then it just kind of evolved from there. Um, I think from the source, I went on, I was interning, and then I was still a senior at, at, at front. And then what happened? I, I, I don't think, I, you know, I think I was, like, probably going to move back home because I didn't have a job after, mm-hmm. like, the internship ended. Like a 9-11 happened around that time. I was actually on my way to to the source when the building went down. I was in route, like I was physically in the city. Um, and then I graduated, I didn't have any, like they weren't trying to hire me, the source wasn't trying to hire me full time. So I was like thinking, you know, normally when you do an internship, they'll bring you on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that I was, you know, New York ain't cheap. So I was like, yeah, this may not work. And I literally thought I was moving back home. Happened to go to a party. This is where that cultural thing happens. Yep. I happened to go to a party. And then, you know, back in the day, you go to a party, then you go to the diner afterwards. Oh, and yeah. that's when all the business meetings happened. <laughs> <laughs> so I was at a diner and I was talking. I was talking to some random person who was sitting with us at the diner. And I was they were like, what do you do? I was like, well, I did this and kind of want to do this. And I was like, I would love to work at, you know, this place or that place. And my friend was like, well, my best friend works at Essence. And I was, ears perked up. Mm -hmm. I was like, what? And he was like, yeah, give me your information, your resume, and whatever. I immediately after that went home, put my stuff together. And mind you, you know, you go to diner, it's like 4 o'clock in the morning, right? Mm -hmm. And then I, you know, sent it over to the guy who eventually sent it over to who is now my mentor, um, Asian Wahid. And, you know, I that's how I was working under her as like an intern-esque thing, but it was paid a little bit. Wow. And then they were working on a new magazine, which is why they asked me to come because they were working on Slate at the time. So I started working on a prototype for Slate magazine. 
Um, and I did that for like a year or two and then moved on. The funny story about Essence is Essence was like my first real job right out of college. Mm-hmm. And I did it for like two years or so. Um, and then I left and did other jobs. And then I came back to Essence like three or four years ago and worked there for like three years as an actual photo editor. The first time I was like, you know, an assistant, a junior person, whatever. Um, and then when I came back, I was on the team. And I was, this picture that you have here is actually my shoot that I actually produced the cover for. I didn't produce a lot of the covers. I hardly produced many of them. I did a lot of the digital covers, but this shoot in particular um, was a shoot that we were doing and it ended up being so good that they made it a cover. Cause I was, I was like, how can you not put this I'm on just the saying. cover? <laughs> it, was a, it was a campaign. I was really, me and my friend who also was working there, who worked on this was like, you got this and this. Like, how could you not, not put this beautiful thing on the cover? <laughs> and it, it, it worked out and it left up. And that was technically my first actor's cover, even though I had been there for quite a while. Right. Um, but yeah, so that's how I got, really got into publishing. And I moved, I moved around. Um, I, I worked between the first essence and the second essence, I worked at, um, I didn't, I worked at um, Harris Publications, who housed a bunch of niche magazines. Most people know them for Double XL, mm-hmm. Ratch, King, Rise. Uh, it was quite, it's quite a few. They came out with a lot of stuff. So I worked, I worked there for like five years, and I was the photo director for king and and scratch it's a funny story because i went there to work for scratch because i was on more into the music scratch was a music magazine was before its time but for anyone who's like a music head and really into like djs before djs became like dj Khaled, um that was like the 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 bible for them and i love that because i you know i was a liner note kid so i love to know who wrote what did what whatever so I worked there and then the photo editor for King left and they were like, well, Kyle, you should do both. And I was like, I don't know about that. But I ended up doing both for like five years. And then I worked wow. on another magazine. So I was working on two to three magazines as a photo director. Wow. Um, so that was a lot. It was a lot. And, you know, I met some of my closest friends now, um, mentors and whatever there. They challenged that out of me like it was a man's world first Mm -hmm. of all like it was mostly men of course at that publication and so I had to put my big girl panties on and get like a real deep voice when I needed something done and I think that kind of brought a little bit of respect you know because I was young I was like I'm pretty much early 20s running to to doing a photo for two magazines and as a photo editor they gave me a lot of creative space so i was not only producing but i was also helping with conceptualizing which is not every photo editor gets to do most of the time it's the art director who does that and they can come in and do whatever they ask you but i had a lot of freedom with that so that um that was cool and i did that for a couple years and then i freelanced for a while Um, i worked at um some other magazines that were not in my genre, like um, in that institutional investor, which was like a culture shock for me a little bit because it was mainly about business mm-hmm. and money and like people and things I knew nothing about. But I think it worked for me and my favor because again, I'm into portraits and I'm into, so I can bring, the magazine is kind of on a boring side. Let's just put it that way. but. You don't see these kind of photos of like investor people like mm-hmm. that. Like it's that like that picture changed the subject matter, and that could have been like a double XL cover, right? Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> right, right. So these so are the I record think, execs, <laughs> right? These are and the thing about it, this this also worked in my favor because much these people make more than rappers, mm-hmm. but you know, rappers 
you know, they find a little bit more. These dudes will come in and be like, you got five minutes and I'm out. So it's like literally having to know how to move things around and move really fast and just have everything set up so these guys could come. Because time is money for them. Right. But that was, a, that was an interesting experience. It just went to show it doesn't matter who the subject matter is. You're going to get the same energy. Because rappers right. do that too. Mm-hmm. You know? So, and, and I think the other thing that's really cool is that, I mean, and I got stories which I won't tell about all of the rappers and <laughs> celebrities and actors and actresses I've worked with, but for anyone who was ever curious about that, I think you have to walk into those situations. I don't know. I'm not starstruck usually, but I feel like you got to walk in those situations and be like, they eat and sleep and poop just like you. You know what I mean? And once you get past that part, you just know you're in there to get your work done. So it's not like you're like, because they, they just want to do the same thing. They just want to come and get their work done. Most of the time, this is probably their 20th photo shoot. So they don't really have the energy that you're used to seeing them have, like on stage or whatever. And you just got to keep it all the way real. And again, for me learning how to put my big girl panties on, even though I may be the only one on set, sometimes you got to be like, okay, this is fun, but we got, we got, time like time is money the studio we got two minutes you know get the hair we need someone on set she needs to change whatever you have to like that was something that I had to like really be even if I was a little insecure or intimidated by whoever the person is because I've there's been a bunch of bigger name people that it's like once you meet them you're just like Okay, because you know, people are always like, Well, who have you met? Or I'm like, Why don't you ask me who you want me to have met? And then I'll tell you. And and you get a different story for every single one. That's a good picture. That was for um, that was for that was for Ebony. Mm. Oh yeah, I worked for Ebony freelance, and that was a crazy shoot because that shit was with Oprah. And so I think she was promoting. I don't know what movie that was, but it was him, her, him, Oprah, and another actress. And I had to produce the shoot from New York. Oh, probably for Selma. Selma. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I had to produce the shoot um, not in office. I produced everything from this apartment. And I wasn't on set. The shoot happened in Chicago. Mm. And that's another thing I think... I can, I, I'm very confident, like when I hire someone or when I produce something, I'm very meticulous about everything mm-hmm. so that in cases like this, when I don't have, I can't be there or I don't need to be there. I like to, I like to be places, but I don't have to be. And I, the one thing that I was really particular about, or I'm, I'm very strong about is that I can do my job from anywhere and I can, I'm confident enough to be able to produce it without having to physically be on set. If you hire the right photographer and the right team and get a, a PA on set, you know, you don't have to physically be there. And I'm going to be quite honest. I, when this shoot was happening, I think I went to a Broadway show. <laughs> like, that that's just, that's how confident I was. Like, and that's right. Oprah. You know, that's Oprah. But I was yeah. like, okay, I think you got it. You know, call me yeah. if anything happens. And I think me and my best friend at the time, we, it was like, you know how the Broadway has those specials mm-hmm. where the shows are cheap? I think we went to the Broadway show at mid, mid, uh, midday or something. That's a boss yeah. move right there, honey. Right. That's a boss move. <laughs> that's, that's on another level. Uh, I mean, you know, if that's something I, well, I just did brag about it, but, you know, I feel like when, you, when you've gotten to a point and you're, you're confident in what you can do, um, and I like to tell people, like, I don't, I like to be fl- flued out, mm-hmm. but I don't have to be. That's, right. you know, I can do it from here or there or whatever. And I'm glad that we're in a place now, career wise, that we, we can work from anywhere. Like, you right. don't have to be, you I don't have to be in your face to make something happen. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Do you think that there'll be more of that and be, because of the pandemic and because it's, I mean, it's already been like that. Like, um, in my current position, I 
I've produced shoots where it happened and I couldn't go because of COVID, you know, right. because of the pandemic. But the show don't stop. You still have to make it happen. And I just have, you have, I have to prove for you to trust me to be able to do this and no one be there. You right. know what I mean? Right. Like, you just have to be confident that, um, well, I'm confident, but, you know, I have to trust whoever I'm working with to be like, I've done this before. These are the fires that we'll probably have to put out. Don't worry about it. It's a normal thing. And um, we'll make it happen. And it's always more stressful when you have a bigger celebrity. Right. But um, I don't know. I've been doing this for like over 15 years. So at this point, I it do, it's not too much that makes me nervous. Like more, more of the other side is nervous for me. And they'd be like, oh, well, this person has all of these things. And I'm like, well, I'm going to tell you, if she's a diva, these are the things that are going to happen. You can't avoid it. Right. And we just have to be prepared for it. Um, but yeah. 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 I was gonna, shoot. yeah. Snoop just seems like he he's uh fairly fun in general. <laughs> he he is exactly how he is perceived. He is super chill. Mm -hmm. Smoking does happen. But <laughs> you know, that that's no secret. But he's like right. super chill, chill. Right. So, but yeah. That's what's up. I was gonna say, uh, I think I started to realize um, you know, how much uh, you had going on and how different things were from your interning days to uh, when you started hiring other people to do things um, for you. When you, I think you had reached out one time because you needed a, you needed a photographer in Shanghai or something like that. And I think I had just got back from um, Shanghai uh, maybe a few, like it was recent. I think it was like 20, well, not recent as in, I think I had recently left uh, Shanghai with the homies and um, and you reached out and uh, and I um, recommended a guy. But that's when I was like, the fact that she's like, yeah, you know, somebody over here to do this thing. And I'm just like, I think I, I actually don't even remember that. But, yeah. you know, was it for was it for Antenna? Was it like, do you know what it was for? Was it a I, talent? I, um, I know you were just uh, you were looking for a photographer and I and we had worked with a guy out there um, when we were doing something for Bentley. And um, and so I had a photographer's contact and I passed it to you. But like, I, I you know, I'm the type of person if if someone asks me if I know someone, I do the introduction and I don't do a whole lot of investigating. I let right. y'all work out. the right. details. You know, yeah, I'm, um, I'm the same way. Yeah, yeah no, that's dope. I don't even remember that because I probably do that to a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but and, and it's funny when the way you were like you were so nonchalant about it, and I was like, it, it felt like you did it a lot, and I was just like, it was just really one of those proud moments. I was like, man, you know, because you we all remember hanging out in the dorms, going to these um, origination meetings and stuff like that, and and everything right. else that uh, the Pratt experience was, and so like seeing where a lot of us have kind of. Where, where where the journey has taken us is just super dope. So yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I, I appreciate that. Yeah. No yeah. No problem. You know, um, I know you talked briefly about um, you know, different celebrities that you have worked for worked with. Um, are there any standouts that you know was which was a really good or positive experience that you just were like, you know what, that was so good. Like that one's for the books. That one I will always remember. Dang. I really wish I had one. <laughs> There's, I'm, I've worked with so many people. I mean, I I could tell you the ones that stand out that weren't in my favor, but we're not going to do that. No. Um, <laughs> those are the ones that are embedded right here. Right. Um, I was, like you know, it's so funny. Um, when I like when I was when I was interning or when I was working at Milk as an intern. This is before I just figured out what I wanted. Mm -hmm. This is was like my big introduction to work to celebrities. Cause you know, like I said, Milk was a huge studio. Yeah. A lot of main big name celebrities would come through there. And you know, I'm just standing around and <laughs> Patty LaBelle comes out the studio. Wow. Big deal. Yeah. But no big wow. deal. Comes out <laughs> the studio and she was like, honey, where's the bathroom? And you know, when a big name person comes, you have to take them to like the celebrity, like the, the major bathroom, whatever. Mm -hmm. 
sis was like not done up, no makeup, no hair, in a robe, and she, it, I I don't even know if she had heels on or not. She white robe, hair's not done, no makeup, whatever, and I was just like. <laughs> First of all, it's Patty. This is Miss Patty. Miss Patty. Miss Patty looked like she just was walked out her house, you know, like like mm. she's walking through her house kind of situation. And that I think was the moment that I just took that whole celebrity facade mm -hmm. like put in the trash. Because again, they're regular people just like us. They make way more money. Mm. But you know, at the end of the day, it was like it didn't mean any difference. And how would I think she was more chill and calm and more receptive of me because I wasn't like, oh my God, this is bad you know, you know right. what I mean? Right. And I think that's the the demeanor I learned to have with everyone. I feel like if you treat them like it's your auntie, I mean, not not in a way that you're like disrespectful or familiar, right. too familiar, but you know, if you treat them like a regular person, sometimes they sometimes people want want you to know how famous they are but then most right. of the time because this is work for them just as much as it's work for you so they want they want to just keep it going and you will learn that people are so chill um gosh i don't really i can't i don't know specific, like i've met with so many people i always like to tell i mean i don't know if this he's problematic now but you always like to tell a story of like T.I., right? Mm. I used to love T.I. because, you know, that was a period where he was like everywhere. He was like up yeah. here, like everybody. And, and I'm not starstruck. I'm not really into like being like, oh my God, I love, except for Method Man. Like, <laughs> if Method Man was ever in my presence, I might lose it a little bit. But yeah, so there was a period of time where I was shooting T.I. like all the time. Mm. Like all the time because, you know, Again, I was working on multiple publications at a time, so I could be shooting him for various things. And they're doing press like crazy. They do these press runs, so they're doing a lot. And there was a period where I was in his presence like at least three or four times in a month. You know what I mean? Wow. For so many different things. Mm -hmm. At the time, this is a long time ago, but you know what I appreciated about him, and I think people make take notice of this, is when he came into the studio. He introduced himself to everyone in the studio. Like, we ain't know who he was, right? He's right. the biggest person at the time. Mm. To, the, to the point, the guy in the corner who's sweeping, he went over and introduced himself. Like, hi, my name is Tim, whatever. And I just, to me, those are things that I pay attention to. You know what I mean? Mm. I think that's really nice. He was real chill about it. Like, he wasn't, like, brand new. And you have to think, he... If he's on a press tour or he's working, he sees a lot of people. So he doesn't have to retain or remember who you are. Right. Mm -hmm. Within a week, and I always tell this story because I was pissed at the time. Um, my editor-in-chief made me go shoot him at his house because of, he couldn't leave his house. We know why he couldn't right. leave. Right, right, right. So we had to go shoot him at his house. And he was, he, uh, I was pissed because it was my birthday weekend. Mm. And I literally had gone to celebrate my birthday and literally got on a flight right after to go to this shoot. I think I had friends in my house. I was like, just mail me the keys, whatever. Mm. Went to the shoot because he couldn't leave his house. He was so nice. He was very hospitable. Like, you know, most people would gag. Oh my God, I'm in a celebrity's house, right? Mm -hmm. Then we leave the house. Like after, after that shoot, I come back to New York. He's in New York. And I was kind of like, what you doing in New York? Like, whatever. And so we had another shoot and he's there. Then I'm out and about and we had something else and it was a social gathering or whatever. And he rolls through. So I, I see him do like four or five times. Every single time. I mean, he's sure he wouldn't remember me now because I haven't seen him or whatever. But every single time he was very generous, very nice. He's like, oh, hey, whatever. Like, and I just think that those are the things that you remember because mm -hmm. when, when people are like rude and me, it just makes you not, it makes you not want to be with them and it makes it like a horrible experience. Experience. Mm -hmm. And then you mentally don't like a person. Like, there is an artist who was extremely nasty. And to this day, I won't listen to anything that she sings. 
And I will be clear, it's, I'm not going to say it here, but I will be clear, I'll be like, I don't like her. She's nasty, you know? And it just, cha- it just changes your vibe. So, I don't know. But yeah. I don't have, I don't have, I've been around too many people. I can't really, sorry. Yeah, no, that's yeah. a good one. You answered it because it's memorable. Right. Yeah. I mean, he's, I wouldn't say he, yeah, is like the top person, but that's the person I can think of off the top right. of my head mm-hmm. right now. Right. Lizzo was cute. I mean, since you had put that picture up, she was really nice. Yeah. Um, she she's basically how she is like mm-hmm. and th- those are the things that you remember like if they're pre- and then and then the other thing is and I just say this for anyone who chooses to go into a, a, a world of entertainment or being around whatever mm-hmm. they have the right to turn off you know what I mean they're not on 24/7 and you have to respect that like right. you can't expect them to come not to say that they need to be nasty about it but they can't come in you don't think that they're going to be like singing and jumping and like twerking and all the things that you're used to seeing them do and you have to respect that they may not even want to talk to you first thing in the morning because they haven't had coffee or whatever you have to respect that and i think those are the things that i've learned over time and whoever i'm working with or whoever's underneath me i'm just like keep it level Mm -hmm. even if that's your best bet favorite like just go whatever that person needs give it and go away don't wow out or whatever because that's when people start getting weird to you yeah yeah. that's how i know you've been in new york for a while because you said coffee i was like oh i was like she's a new yorker (laughs) i thought she was gonna say that's how i know you've been in new york too long because i ignore people i ignore you know in brooklyn especially yeah. when we first got here they were like big rappers and artists erica badu could be having like coffee down the street yeah. or all the like Taleb and, yeah. and mm-hmm. like all those brooklyn like who got who became big and people were like oh my god i'm like I love it. You know, you have worked for um, not only you've worked for as many um, media, you know, organizations, but you've also worked freelance um, as or as an independent contractor for a very for a good majority of your career. Ten plus years. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, what would you say are some of the benefits with being a, a freelancer and what were some of the challenges for you? Oh, well, the challenge is the pay. I mean, mm. we all know that. Like, yes. nobody wants to be the bill collector. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, the benefits is the the variety of people you get to work with. Right. And you can you work for yourself, so you can pick and choose job if you if you are afforded the opportunity to say yes and definitely to say no. Right. Um, I think that also gives you a better range because, again, I've been pegged for a lot more urban related or I hate to say urban but that's what it falls under like magazines for people of color and stuff like that and it kind of puts you in a box sometimes so I'm always open to like freelance and do something like the investment magazine or something like that so I'm not so I can get like a broad range um the sucks the thing that sucks about that when you do things like that is that people look at your book yeah okay you remember um what was that movie? You remember Love Jones? Mm-hmm. Yes. Of course. When she went on that interview and he was like, can you make it look slicker? Because yeah. she had a portfolio full of people of color in uh-huh. her portfolio. Maybe that's her thing. No one ever says when a person who, uh, a non-person of color comes and they have a book full of like major white celebrities or non-black people and say, could you make it look urban? You know, right. like nobody ever says that. And I think that was the thing that I was, I always hated about having a portfolio full of, you know, actors and rappers and and uh, musicians and stuff of color. It was, it was, it was, it's annoying. And that's a whole different conversation that we can get into. Right. Um, I think we were in a more diverse place now, but that was a big deal c- coming up, you know? Mm. But, Back to your question about freelance or not freelance. Freelance is great if it's consistent. Um, Most of my freelance happened during the uh, 
recession. Yeah. So there were times where I was busy and then there were times when I was really, really slow. And there was times where I was like, like chasing people for money. So those, those are the pros and cons of it. Um, and just always being on top of your stuff so that you can stay relevant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, the beauty of have, being freelance or as an independent contractor is the freedom, right? I mean, if you're not solely dependent on the money, but having the freedom to come and go as you please, like you said, work with um, multiple, you know, either individuals or organizations, but you also are a, a business owner. You have your own company, mm-hmm. your own production company called The Drawing Board. Um, tell us about that. So that came about when I was in my freelance world and it was basically being able to produce, it was my, it was my freelance job. Like it was basically what I do, but on a contractor level. Right. So, um, but I also expanded that. So I was also using it to do events because again, I have that side of production on me. So mm-hmm. I started doing like weddings for friends just to help them out. And then I would always get referred to someone else. Um, I never pitched myself as an event planner purposely, but people would come to me and be like, oh, you did so-and-so planning. I thought it was cool. Can you help me with this or this event or whatever? And I was like, okay, cool. So, um, so I I mean, those are side things. And then, you know, I can't do it as much as I want to now because I am a full-time job person or whatever. But every now and then I'll like assist if somebody needs to get like, a shoot done on the side. And sometimes I do it just for fun because, mm-hmm. you know, when you work in a specific company, you can only do those specific things. So right. you want to expand your portfolio and you're like, oh, I would love to do, like I'll come up with an idea of like, oh, I would love to do a model wearing this, doing that, and her makeup is this way. And I'm not going to be able to do that maybe at my current employer. But if I have friends who are interested in it, you know, you can do test shoots and stuff like that. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Speaking of your uh, current employer and, you know, and and positions that you can, uh, you know, like you have your business, but then you're still doing um, other work. So uh, congrats uh, for your new position uh, with Spotify. Can you tell us a little bit about that, how that came about? Yeah. So um, my last employer before Spotify was a publishing company Mm. and I have been in publishing for over 10 years. Over 15 years, maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we all know publishing is it's out there, but it's like you need to be able to transfer and be able to do more than one thing. Mm-hmm. And I'd always wanted to get into... Um, not, it's funny. I necessarily wasn't looking to do technology per se, tech per se. I mm-hmm. thought I would go more into the film route um, and do production for like TV and mm-hmm. stuff like on like a Netflix or something like that. And this kind of fell on my lap and I was like, you know what? It's time. You know, mm-hmm. I, I it's it's a way to stay current and relevant and still be able to utilize my skill set. So at Spotify, I'm pretty much a, um my title is senior art buyer, but I'm I'm pretty much doing what I've always done, which is um finding appropriate imagery and producing shoots for um, the playlist covers. So a lot of the images that are on the playlist covers are usually provided. Yeah. Like, you know, like the artist-led covers are usually given to us by the artist. But there are sometimes we luck up and we get to shoot them to make, to have like original imagery. Um, And then the other thing that is more interesting, not to say more interesting, but something that I am more challenged by and it goes back to our thing stand with me asking you for a a photographer in Shanghai Mm -hmm. is Spotify is an international company and they need sometimes playlists that reflect that region Mm -hmm. and um, that can be hard with just regular stock imagery so one of my key goals there is localization, like having localized imagery for that region. So if I needed something in Japan, it wouldn't make sense for me to put somebody on a cover that is clearly American. A lot of a lot of our images, though we don't pay attention to it because we're from America, are very westernized. And we push those westernized images 
on other reasons that mm-hmm. it doesn't reflect. So like um one of the, that's one of the bigger things that I'm I mean, one of the many tasks um that I'm responsible for. And it's a challenge because like like that, I have to like find photographers in like mm-hmm. Singapore or, you know, part of Mexico or whatever. Or you know, and so it's a research, it's a learning aspect, but it's also a rewarding aspect because I would, if I'm looking at something, I would want it to reflect what, you know, where I'm from and if that's the basis of the playlist. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's what I do. It's a fairly new job. I'm still getting my fitting um, there and it's cool. It's, it's weird because it's one of those jobs that I got during the pandemic. So nobody really knows how to navigate anything that they haven't fully, like, I've, because I've been a freelancer, I'm used to working from anywhere. Right. Um, but I'm kind of like, I'm ready to go back in the office. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, a lot of people aren't, but I'm like, I miss that yeah. commute and the interaction. I am zoomed out. You right. know, like, I'm just, like, we had that off conversation. I'm like, I'm tired of people looking at my apartment. <laughs> <laughs> I just, you know, it's weird, you know? Yeah. So, but, yeah, it's, it's a cool job so far. I mean, I don't think I've had to a chance to explore all that it can provide because we have been in the pandemic, but sure. I think it allows myself to be able to travel at some point and like really get to learn more about different regions and maybe shoot some more yeah. singers and rappers and artists. So yeah. So, so congratulations for you. I think that's great. I mm-hmm. wish we had so much more time because there's so much to ask you. Yeah, for sure. Um, as far as like, you know, still going into your career and the other things you do, like, you know, accessories and, and creating. But um before we close out, I do want to ask, you know, as a multi-talented creative you know as a photographer you uh, produce um you design you build if you could only choose one what would it be if i could only choose one i think the producing part is my favorite part like i do that i I find that that's my biggest skill set and i i produce beyond as you know like photo shoots whatever i am I'm producing like my basic life. Like, don't let me be out with somebody and I'll be like, well, let, everybody's like, let's take a selfie. I'm like, uh-uh, oh. stand over there. The light is coming right. this way. Yes. yes. <laughs> Make sure you get me from here up. <laughs> yes. So it, it's, it's, it's weird because I can't turn it off. I try to, mm-hmm. but I can't. And even when I'm not, like, even I was on a stoop the other day with my friends and these guys wanted some pictures taken and my friend called me all the way across yo Kali come take this picture it's 20 people on the suit someone literally looks to him but I have to go and take it so it's like you know or even if I'm like even if it's not a shoot related even if it's like a regular day situation I'm and I hate I come off sounding like really bossy and I'll, I'll take that but you know, it's just the direction for me. Yeah. You know, I'm just I, I feel like I I produce in my sleep. Like yeah. you know, <laughs> <laughs> I mean clearly since you were a baby, since you were a little one, right? I mean, listen, you guys knew me in college. I was like, mm-hmm. what's this program about? Mm-hmm. It don't work for me. I'm gonna be the president. <laughs> yes. I'm gonna be in charge. And on top of that, I was that, and I worked at the student union. So I was, mm-hmm. I don't know if y'all remember, I did like the events on campus too. Yeah. So yeah. I think, I think that's probably my thing. I'll probably do that forever, even if it's not like a regular nine to five. I think I do that very well. It's exhausting too, but yeah. people don't listen, but you know, it's, it's a thing. I think that's my, I think that's my skill set. Oh, honey. Well, thank you so much yeah, for being here and for sharing sure. your, your journey with us. Uh, we, it was great catching up because we haven't seen, you know, yeah. granted, since the good, before the pandemic, yeah, it's but it's been a minute. But thank you so much for taking your time with us and sharing with us. I'm humbled that you even asked. Oh, of course. Yeah. Of you course. 
Of course. And for those of you that are watching, you know, thank you for joining us today. Mm -hmm. Please follow Kali. Her information um, will be provided in the in the in the description. Also, if you haven't subscribed already, if you like what you heard today, mm -hmm. you know, we have so much more in store. So please be sure to like and subscribe and share. And that's a wrap, Mr. Robinson. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And just uh, one last thing to shout out to those of you who are listening to the podcast who aren't necessarily watching, just giving y'all heads up. If you actually want to uh, come to YouTube, you can check us out, Substantial Art and Music, or just search Artistry so you can come and watch this interview and also see some of her amazing artwork. Mm -hmm. All right. But everyone, take care. You be blessed. Um, and sis, we'll chop it up with you in a few. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Peace. peace. Thanks for listening to Artistry, where art meets industry. This podcast has been brought to you by Substantial Art Music. For more information, please visit www.subartmusic.com. You can also follow us on social media at Subart Music. We'll see you soon. We'll talk to you soon. Peace.